Inside OU listeners, thanks again for being loyal subscribers and listeners to the podcast with Brady Trantham and I. Like to get to know Oklahoma's offense and defense better? We have started a Patreon page for our post-game show and my popular film reviews from Twitter. It's $4 for the post-game show and $5 for the film review on Sundays and the post-game show. You can subscribe at patreon.com slash inside underscore OU. It will allow us to do even more cool things now and beyond for you. Thanks again for being loyal subscribers and listeners to Inside OU. See you all next time. Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from Soonerswire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham. Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been for all these years. Boomer Sooner. God. Yeah, so Tom Herman is just melting down. I, I guess we need to have our own little Tom Herman's melting down on the Inside OU podcast segment because, I mean, they, they lose Mullet Boy, who, who's good. He's going to be good, but I mean, he's a unicorn. He's a 16 year old with a mullet, so I'm just going to call him Mullet Boy for the time being. Uh, the decommitment uh, quarterback from the University of Texas, what was that, 24 hours ago? And, I mean, he has, he, by the way, he has an awful job of marketing around them. He committed on a Friday afternoon, <laughs> and then he decommitted from Texas at nine fourteen at night on a Wednesday. What what are what is wrong with his handlers? Come on now, his people, his inner circle, if you will. Yeah, no, a it's, lot of people's inner circles are screwing up. Do you see Jay Williams on ESPN? He thought he was quoting something Kevin Durant said, and Jay Williams is a mouthpiece for Kevin Durant on ESPN. He's a smart guy, but for whatever reason, he's latched on to the weakest-minded athlete of our generation and Kevin Durant. He thought he was quoting Kevin, but he was quoting a 14-year-old Twitter account. That was a fake quote? Yeah, it was a fake quote. Ha! It was something about, like, people call LeBron James the king, but I beat him twice in the finals, so what does that make me? <laughs> and Jay thought Kevin Durant actually said that. Now, I'll give Jay Williams the benefit of the doubt because Kevin has already said that before. He just misquoted it from a particular podcast. So, But Kevin has said that before. Oh, for but, sure. But anyway. Tom Herman is from, I can tell you this with confidence, from talking to not even, you know, people know that I talk with Ian Boyd a lot that covers for, or at least does exit knows for, you know, inside Texas down there. But I've heard from people other than him that they lose Saturday to Oklahoma State. When the moment that Texas is out of the Big 12 championship race, Brady, they've already, the big money donors have already ponied up the money that they are willing to pay that buyout and get them out. In that, like last night was the final straw. I was here. I got. I was getting texts last night about this. Don't like, they have that guy that you really like already on the roster? What was his name? Start with the last uh, last name. Start with an M. Mill. Jalen Milrow. Milrow. So that's okay. the that's the epitome of the story. Okay. You, so Tom Herman tells Jalen Milrow that he's their guy. That. We're not going to bring in a top tw- a guy in the 2022 class. And you were fairly high on him in the offseason. Yeah, I think – well, he's going to Bama. Like, Oh, okay. So, yeah, he's so not on t- – okay, I, I was under the impression yeah, he was already on the n- roster. No, <laughs> so he was – he's a part of the 2021 recruiting class. Well, that sucks for them. So, this is – yeah, it's the epitome of the Tom Herman era to Texas. So, he tells this kid he's not going to recruit a, a big-time guy in the 2022 class, that he's their guy. And then next thing you know, Texas is landing Quinn Ewers – so Milrow decommits, flips to Bama, and then Texas goes into a spiral this season, and now they don't have a 2022 quarterback either. So they lost the Milrow kid, who I think is underrated. I believe he's even you know 80, 90 in the country. He's probably a top 50 player in my opinion. And now they're <laughs> left with nothing. 
<laughs> I mean, it that's is. what happens when you suck, man. You don't you don't get pretty toys all the time. Like Texas is going to get guys even when they're down. That they've historically done that. But I'm I wanna, sorry. I mean, did, did your boy Ian Boy didn't he com- did he compare Quinn? You is it Ewers or e- you? I think it's Ewers. Ewers. Did Ewers. he compare him to Vince Young, or did he just compare the signing of that type of level signing of that type Vince of oh, yeah okay. signing of signing of that guy? Okay, um, never mind then. Now, obviously, I body bagged Ian again today on Twitter.com, which was a great feeling. But at the same time, oh, doesn't too, he listen to our podcast? You want to be that's you don't, fine. Don't want to be mean to our. I listeners. told him. I told him he needs to yield more. He needs to understand oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all understand the power of the yield. yield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. But anyways, <laughs> um, you know, with taxes and that. That's a dun- – dude, it is – the things you hear about what's going on with that football program is nuts. And I think the best text I got last night was that some big money donor, his kid, is not going to be able to be in the uh, will. He's not going to receive as much money because that guy wanted to tell him Herman fired. Oh, no. I mean, some trust fund baby's going to be mad in the world. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's truly a shame. That is truly a shame. But what's not a shame is we're here at Vanessa House Thursday, like we always are, 530. And tonight they've got emo night going on. So shout out to Matt Burton. I already told you on Instagram that this sounds like it's straight up your alley. So I fully expect to see Matt Burton later on. They are celebrating their four-year anniversary. Getting ready for that. They've got beers that they're releasing so far. I'll just go down a little bit of the list. Uh, we got the Family Farm Chardonnay Barrel Aged Sour Ale, which those are a lot of pretty words, Keegan. And I'm going to assume that that thing tastes very, very good. Prize Heist Coffee Stout made with Eodi Coffee, which is that Eodi or these? Peyote? Not peyote. Oh. I, know, I know where your brain's at, but stouts are right up my alley when I did not care about what my body looked like. And so, unfortunately, now I'm a completely and utterly vain person. I'm sticking to the light beers. Right now, I'm drinking the Destination Wedding there. Very good. It's very good. It's their Cerveza beer. I've got a lime. I know it's not very Cerveza weather out there right now, which shout out to everybody that's dealing with crap. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thankfully got power back. I live right next to Cheevers off 23rd Street. And I think that I got lucky that I was so close to all these businesses, Keegan, because I feel like all the businesses got power back first, uh, especially on 23rd Street. And I think I was just kind of happened to be on their grid. So I thankfully had power for the last few hours. But uh, we know a lot of people are out there still dealing with all this bullshit. So we're thinking about you. And hopefully the podcast on Tuesday was entertaining enough and got you through some BS. It probably did from the aspect of... You putting me in a body bag on the whole Lincoln Riley press conference thing, but I deserved it. I deserved it. No, no, like it, it happens. We all had our own little cabin fever. Um, and with that said, I was not sent a, I was not sent an email link for the Zoom call today. <laughs> Is Mike Houck fumbling? <laughs> nah, I don't think it's that. But and anyways, we're not going to get. I don't want to get too deep into that. <laughs> I'm drinking an 89 lager. He's drinking that cerveza is really good. I can drink any time of the year cerveza. Yeah, any time of any like. In college, I would drink stouts like during the dead of summer, like uh, Norman Music Fest. Did you ever go to Norman Music Fest? Or do you remember? See, we went down there one night. Because I, I I've been there three or four times and I can barely remember all of it. So yeah, I. I can tell you that I was down there, but we had been at Sevens, and then we left there and went back to Sevens and got more, and then we got more, and then the night actually turned into an eventful night, which doesn't, which it always happens down there in Norman, Oklahoma for that. So it's uh, you know one of those things where 
the Norman Music Fest. I don't. How do I say this? You know me. I'm I'm not a huge crowd person. <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. No, I don't blame you. But again, here, here hanging out at Vanessa House Beer, they're always going to take good care of us. The beers are awesome, and I've got two more beers for their anniversary. They've got the pumpkin spice latte stout. So I'm sure all you basic Keegans out there will enjoy that one. And then Hecto Cooler Slush Tangerine Sour. Tangerine is an underrated Led Zeppelin tune, so I'm going to assume that that beer is good as well. But please, their four-year anniversary is coming right up as I pull up the script. October 30th, which is tomorrow, Friday. And everybody knows by now it's not going to be the usual stuff. You know, it's going to be socially distanced and all that stuff. But merch packs and individual items will be available for sale Friday at 3 o'clock. So come out, support your favorite local downtown Oklahoma City brewery. And if you don't, we will find you and we will string you up in the town square. I love this place, man. I've never been here before until we did the first podcast. I popped your cherry. I guess you could say it yeah, like, I like that. Yeah, I like popping uh, cherry every once in a while, Keegan. You know, it's, uh, I'm all about new experiences and everything. So we've talked about peyote and... And we're only 10 minutes deep into this thing. One beer deep. Who knows? I was actually... <laughs> I, I was prepared to tell a story tonight kind of along those the lines of conversations we were having right now please do but real quick before you do i just also wanted to give a, a shout out david he is a local photographer uh just go to his instagram oklahoma Backroad explorer okay never mind it's david schweitzer which i hope i'm saying that correctly i'm probably not but i'm trying to I'm trying to remember my german classes at ou and the E comes before the I, so it's the I thing. But uh, yeah, give him a shout on Instagram. If you're looking for some photography, this guy is very talented. My girlfriend, who's an artist and kind of a photographer herself, I had her look at it and say, like, give me some pointers. And she was like, this dude has a very good camera. So give that Oklahoma back road the shout out on Instagram. But now, Keegan, this is the Thursday pod. It's Texas Tech Week. And I, I got to say... I'm excited for football. I know everybody's excited for football, but after the week Oklahoma, specifically the center of Oklahoma, has had, it's it doesn't really feel like football that is coming this weekend. And it's Halloween. I don't know if you're going to be dressing up. I am because it's the best holiday of the year, even though it's not technically a holiday. But Halloween's not a holiday. It's not a holiday, but it should. But it we treat it like one. It's all Hallow's Eve. Halloween's not a holiday. It's better than Thanksgiving. This is going to be old my. This is going to be another segment of Keegan old man yelling at clouds. Were you old when you were in second and third grade going out trick-or-treating or did you did you I trick or stopped treat trick-or-treating whenever I was probably sixth grade fifth sixth grade were you watching film probably <laughs> so I mean you go back like you did you ever play the you know kind of jeopardy version of the like ESPN or somebody put it together back in the day where it was like you could you know ask you know what category you want to pick from and you do this and that whenever i was like seven or eight like maybe even six there were mornings where my parents would wake up and they'd i'd be in there just going through and watching every single fact or whatever's flipping on there just to do that i don't know that's how i've always been we all have our things keegan i'm kind of an in, i'm definitely introverted Introvert. in that regard. no yeah. i'm i'm a gigantic nerd so i mean obviously i've just been knee-deep in reading about OU games that no one has ever heard of. Uh, also, shout out to the Patreon page. Give that a look, www.patreon.com slash inside underscore OU if you want the post-game show and all the goodies. And then, of course, Keegan's film review, which he finished up on TCU. Some eye-opening things. And uh, I guess we can use this opportunity to just go right into the Texas Tech game, Keegan, because 
um, kind of what we were talking about on Tuesday, but now that you've had a chance to really look at OU's from the OU perspective of things with TCU, I mean, to the casual viewer and to you that's like really breaking down film and looking at like minute things, it really seems like everything is trending into the direction that we're not going to see consistent, explosive Lincoln Riley OU offense, but it, it's, we're almost there. It's very clear. I mean, you know, so there's part of the stuff that didn't go in the film review with, you know, if a play just got blown up and a guy made a mistake, like I, it, there was a couple times in the t- TCU it's game football. where, yeah, yeah. it's like it, it, the play wouldn't have worked anyways, and it just it is what it is. Let me guess: is it any of those design zone reads for Spencer Rattler that Lincoln Riley claims are not de- zone? There reads? needs to be a deep dive. I only showed one, <laughs> but if you go back to the Texas game, like there was two times where they've. Now, this goes back to another conversation. Remember the huge argument last year people were having with me about Jalen Hurts whenever they would run the counter and, like, Jalen wouldn't ever pull it and the guy was following the counter. And it's like, okay, why are you looking at him if you're not going to pull it? And, well, guess what? Well, now Spencer Rattler's pulling it. Guarantee Jalen's happy. But at the same time, (laughs) you know, it is bad. It looks really, really bad. Um, And I think it obviously there was a couple times where – like in the TCU game where if he gives it, like the counter's set up perfect to be able to be run. And um, I th- think it was interesting. TCU traditionally runs a 4-2-5 that came out in, a, in an odd front in the second half with a three-down lineman front. Yeah. And Lincoln just said, all right, if you're going to run a three-down front, we're just going to counter <laughs> you to death. And then that's what they did. And they had no answer for it. Gary literally had no answers for it. And then, you know, you're heading into this game, and obviously people heard my you know worries last week about the TCU game. Meacham had other plans, you know, kind of like whenever my biggest gripes of the LSU game was that Lincoln tried to have Jalen Hurts outduel Joe Burrow, and that was just never going to work. Yeah. Like, the p- game plan TCU drew up for Oklahoma was never going to work. Texas game plan for Oklahoma was never going to work. Um, so, to the to the to where I'm getting at here, you're heading into a game down there in Lubbock. Their defense isn't very good. They run a th- an odd man. They run an odd front. They have three down linemen. Their, you know, linebackers are okay. Secondary is okay. Like, Oklahoma, this should be the game where I, I kind of hinted at this on Tuesday, and I may have said it, where, like, they need to go – like, if you want to talk about marks this team needs to hit this week, they need to go over 200 yards of rushing. They oh, need to definitely. throw the football over 350. This needs to be a 600, 700-yard game. Which has been the last, what, handful of times OU and Tech have played each other. OU just explodes on offense because, I mean, Tech – is, has nothing defensively, and they, they want a shootout because they feel that that's the best historically, not un, not necessarily under Matt Wells, but historically when you're talking about Leach and Kingsbury, that's the only chance they felt that they had a had an actual chance of beating OU was to make it a shootout. Absolutely, and, and this is going to be the same thing. You know, I, I think people, like, tech, Tech's going to score points, like, they, unless, unless they just completely go away from what they've been doing offensively all year. Like, they're going to score points, and it's going to be one of those games where it's like, if it's a 55, 50, you know, 56, 27 game or 31 game, it's not like it's not like Oklahoma played bad defense. They're going to make mistakes this week. And I think it's going to be good for them to make mistakes. Like, they played so well a week ago, uh, you know, drop in the end zone for a touchdown, drop on the sideline. Um, both were Jane Davis situations where um, receiver got behind them a little bit. Haven't seen that much this year, but – you know, it, it's a game where their tech's going to score points. Like this column, the column B kid for the transfer from where Matt Wells is from and the offensive coordinator, which every year we, Oklahoma plays Texas Tech. Just go look up the Texas Tech offensive coordinator's name in, on Google and then go click the picture and go look at him because it's awesome. 
<laughs> he looks like the uh, the guy from Dumb and Dumber. I, I know he probably gets that all the time. But Harry? Um, no, the blonde the blonde guy. You mean the guy with the long hair? Yeah, that's Harry. That's Harry. See, I don't. Yeah. Not a huge movie. Lloyd guy is Jim Carrey. Okay, there you go. Yeah, not not Lloyd. But so, anyways, this is going to be a game where. You know, Oklahoma is going to be able to put up points and should put up points at a high level. Like they, they can, they're going to take a step offensively. I think they may take a step back a little bit defensively, but at the same time, too. I mean, if Tech's not going to attack them with RPOs and attack the middle of the field, which is how you beat this defense, then it could be a long day down. I mean, it could be an absolute butt whipping. We all just went through a crippling ice storm in October. Everyone's dealing with tree damage and potentially house damage due to limbs or trees falling down. We have the answer for you. Regional Roofing and Construction is a veteran and locally owned business here in the Oklahoma City Metro. They provide top quality roofing and construction services. Right now, Regional Roofing and Construction can cut down trees, hollow away damaged limbs, and assess your home for any further damage. Call or text Regional Roofing at 405-623-0755 for a free quote. In all your needs after this historic October ice storm before they get too backed up, they can help service customers in the North Oklahoma City, Edmond, and Guthrie areas if you're here in the state of Oklahoma. Again, give Regional Roofing Instruction a call at 405-623-0755. That's 405-623-0755 for a free quote. And tell them the Inside OU podcast sent you. Hope all of you and your loved ones are getting through this tough time just fine that is the north oklahoma city edmond and guthrie areas for regional roofing and construction to come help you deal with this ice storm that we just went through and if you don't call them we will find you maybe oh we'll find oh you'll find i've got i've got names i can look it up (laughs) (laughs) I, I, i know what you wear when you listen to our show Well, let's jump right into it. Like, how much of that, like, the, the taking the step back a little bit defensively, like, in your opinion, does that have anything to do with what Texas Tech is just going to do overall with what whatever athleticism they have? Or is it going to be because this is the best offensive line that OU has seen maybe since Kansas State? Because Iowa State's offensive line, I feel like, like is fool's gold. Texas is awful. TCU was just as bad, and they lost their best guy in the game against OU. So... Like, is it have any? Is it have everything to do with that? Where like we know the defensive line is good, we just don't know if they're going to be able to eat as consistently as they have the last three games. This is going to be a, a you know an offensive line that is good in spots. Like it, you know, you look at the Texas game. Obviously, Sam Cosme just they there was simply say they're was, not they're not laugh out loud bad. No, no, they're not. And like you know, like Cosme in that game, like nothing was coming from the left side of the line for a reason. Like yeah. he's a he's a first round guy. He's been touted for it, everything. Right guard or center, whatever Jack Anderson plays this week, it's gonna be, you know, same situation. You're gonna see Josh Ellison go up against him and he's just gonna maul him. You know, he's you're gonna have, you know, Perron Winfrey go up against him and he's gonna be able to maul him. You know, it's he's good. But at the rest of the the rest of that offensive line I don't think is all that great. You know, Colum the Columby kid uh, the transfer, he's pretty athletic. He's able to avoid, you know, some pressure and this and that. So it's going to be a game where Oklahoma's going to have to be able to kind of corral him a little bit as well as just get after him. I mean, that's what this defensive line's going to do, and it, they, that's what they should do. I mean, this is a defensive line that is playing at a, at a level that the defensive line, I don't even think they played at a year ago. Like, And now, granted, the offensive lines aren't nearly as good. But I no, I, like, I, I was listening to the Scoop Pod, and I think they had mentioned that this time last year, 
compared to this year now. Like, OU has more sacks as a team overall. I think they have 15 and a half right now. Last year, they ended up at 36, and we all know how good that defensive line was at time, or just the defense overall in terms of rushing the passer, especially in the middle of the year. It kind of, as the season went along, kind of tailed off in terms of the quarterback pressure. But, you know, that, that defensive line had Jalen Rebin and Ronnie Perkins playing at a high level. And this defensive line has a lot of guys that we did not expect to be this damn good, and they're pretty damn good. Hey, speak for yourself. Hey. <laughs> I was all over the uh, – I, I think Josh Ellison's the main one, right? You know, we talked about – I brought think up Jordan, Jordan Kelly. I think we talked about, um, you know, I, Isaiah Thomas even getting a lot of love in, pre, in the preseason. I think, you know, it was a telltale sign that he had a chance to be pretty good this year. Yeah. I think – just imagine if Perrion Winfrey was here by himself without Josh Ellison. I think that's where you could probably see some problems. Yeah. Well, but I think having them both together, you've got the high ceiling of Perrion Winfrey, and you've got the consistency after what I've seen. But again, like these offensive lines have been nothing to write home about, but the consistency with Ellison has been there. Absolutely. And Ellison's been, I mean, I, like, I get the, you know, the what Winfrey brings to the table doesn't show up in the stat sheet. It doesn't show up in anything. You know, his presence – and his size and all that is important, and it, it brings a lot of attention to him. But with the way Ellison's playing, he's he is such a high motor for a guy that you know, you know. You look Texas A&M. It, something you want to give them credit for? They can recruit some def- defensive players right now. A&M and, can recruit. Yeah, they can they, pay players. Yes, that's that is as also much, that's true. as much as they can do. They can get some tires flat and oh yeah, do they, can, they can waste talent. Is what you're they, saying. They obviously can, yeah. No, that defensive line down there has been pretty good the last four or five years. You know, Justin Matabuki um, last year. But my whole point is, you know, this is a guy that came in from the junior college ranks, and if there was a complaint about him, was that, you know, he didn't have a high motor. He didn't play with a lot of energy. And it, you're seeing that every week so far that he's been able to play, really starting at the Kansas State game. Um, you know, he's playing, at a, he's playing at an extremely, extremely high level. And then just across the board, yeah, I mean – Isaiah Thomas, don't kid my. I'm not going to kid myself. Him playing like an NFL player is surprising. Is yeah, is nowhere near the expectation. But just in general, like you know, I thought Nick Benito was going to be this good. Like you know, John Michael Terry, I thought he had a chance to be this good coming off an injury. Yeah, I thought they were going to be this good. I just I thought they're just not going to have enough help to really showcase it because they're too inexperienced. They're too. They're not ready to be the guys yet. And I was I've been completely wrong about that thus far. Yeah, for sure. And I th- I think, you know, as much as the surprise of the defensive line has been, the disappointment at the linebacker's positions at both of them have, you know, you heard me talk about Brian Asamoah and being close. He still is close, but he had a rough game um, down there in Fort Worth. For the most part, he made a big play on the sack. Yeah. But he took a step back. I thought, you know, Aguebu's been, like, I know he's been hyped up a lot, like, in the way he's obviously, he looks the part. He's he's making tackles. He's doing the right things, but I just don't. You know, you you know what I'm saying. Like it's like, I don't get the love affair yet. Like I'm wait I'm waiting for it to come for me at least. And you know, it, but that's I, been the group that's been disappointing for me, opposed to how impressive this defensive line has been. Well, I mean, the the one thing you can say about the linebackers is like like you said, they've made mistakes, they've missed some tackles, they've made some plays, and they've made some tackles. But one thing for sure. They don't bite the team in the ass too much just because of dumb, stupid, shoot yourself what in the foot. What are you getting at? Well, we don't need to get into the whole penalty thing you, that we talked about what are you already. Getting at, Brady? But 
like that's the thing about the sec like the defensive line plays phenomenal and they don't make really any mental mistakes like really ever Perion Winfrey I think has the most penalties of anybody on the defensive line he only has two and he got one of them against Missouri State in the second half so who gives a damn about that one uh, the linebackers, I don't even think, have that many penalties at all. The no. secondary is just, it's either boom or bust. or it's, it's either boom or bust, or the, the first and second level play so damn well like they get, did against TCU, and you just don't hear guys' names, which is the whole point. If you're a cornerback, you don't really want to hear your name unless you're Ed Reed. I mean, I know he was a safety, but like you, you don't really want to hear someone's name consistently. It, it could either be because you get a lot of opportunities thrown your way, because your opponent doesn't have that much respect for you, or you do capitalize and catch the ball a lot, like a Zach Sanchez would. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, it, it's one, two, three ways. Like, and again, you, you'll hear me say this with you a lot. Like, the penalties are bad, but the biggest thing that I have a problem with is just the missed tackles. Like, they got to stop. I mean, it has to, it has to come to an end. And obviously there's reports out there, you know, credit, you know, football brainiacs and all those guys for DeLaren Turner Yell, Turner Yell potentially being out this week. I've got zero confirmation of that being, you know, a thing. Um, I believe Sooner Scoop may have confirmed it, but it's a big week. Like, Justin Broyles, you've got some freshmen breathing down your neck, man. Like, uh, Pat Fields, you've got some freshmen breathing down your neck. And you, Well, who, who slides in if DTY is indeed out? Which, look, look. Trey Norwood first. I think, yeah, that, that would be. And he's thus, played pretty well. Thus far, he's played well. The problem that I have with Trey Norwood is I feel like if he gets more plays, I feel like his lack of physicality will be showcased. I feel like the, the opponent, whoever it might be Tech, it might be somebody else, if, if he has to play more, understands what he is, and he's just not a guy that can really bring it like a DTY does in terms of getting downfield getting into the running lanes and getting his nose dirty and finishing off a tackle because, look, we've, we've been critical of DTY at times, but you've been high on him in terms of if he tests well. I mean, he's a, guy, he's a sure-handed tackler for I the mean, most part. I mean, you go back to the Kansas State game, like, you know, Missouri State-Kansas State. Like, Kansas State's a game that the way he's played the last three games, like, he should have played awful against Kansas State. Yeah. If you, you, you kind of get what I'm saying, like yeah. that's a that's an offense that is designed for him to miss tackles, like in space. Like he has been I make a statement about him potentially, you know, needing to start talking about him being an NFL guy and of course it starts going the other direction <laughs> because that's what happens to me this year in the year twenty twenty, I guess. I mean a lot of things go into that. It like NFL ga- NFL futures are not made by week to week performances. It's just overall what you see. No, but back to back to back kinda yeah. It won't help. Yeah. Now, being an NFL guy can mean I'll they s- get drafted or they get picked up like Parnell Motley. At the end of the day, they're NFL guys, so it doesn't really matter the journey of how they get there. And 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 I want to say this: like you know, obviously know I have you know source at the NFL level. Like Nick Benito is flying up charts right now. Like not gonna say could be an, a first rounder like what people were saying with Kenneth, even though he was struggling. But he is. So, I mean, I have gotten two texts in the last week about, like, what are my thoughts on Nick Benito? So, but overall, just to wrap up this defense, this is a group that there are some people questioning Alex Grinch, and for good reason at times. But, man, it is clear and obvious once he gets his guys in, Brady. Yeah. Man, they're going to be. They're going to be. And it's funny enough, the Oklahoma, Oklahoma offers a junior college DB yesterday. Alex Grinch has the stones to – just say, hey, all right, well, we're going to bring in all these guys and they're going to replace you and you guys go find somewhere else to play. 
I, uh, I've actually been toying with that over the last few days, especially going on that penalty deep dive I went on at the beginning of the week where I'm like, you know, Trey Brown, Buki, Pat Fields. Is Pat Fields a junior? He's a junior, right? Pat Fields, yes, he's a junior. So all three of these guys can come back now. And at this point, there have been some, there's some promising young talent, but I was just about to ask you about Jeremiah Cordell. He got, what, 15, 16 snaps against TCU. Like, he played, he played some. He's, you know, he's close to maybe getting some consistent playing time like a, I mean, I don't know, like a Trey Norwood gets thrown out there every other drive or whatever. Like, he's close to that. But um, as of right now, young guys aren't really pushing for taking over starting jobs outside of Woody Washington. But if you bring in Juco guys, you get Justin Harrington 100% healthy, and he's the p- player that he's built up to be. Alex Grinch can just go, like, let me tell you about the – the philosophy of the process and how the process goes is if you ain't doing your job consistently and you're shooting us in the foot you're not guaranteed anything next year just because you started for x amount of seasons like these young guys will be willing to learn if they're as bad as you is not or not it's basically what like well you're you're gonna have a spring football coming up too so yeah i mean to your point it's funny that Oklahoma processed a bunch of guys last year, and I'm going to say it like this. It's funny that Oklahoma processed a bunch of guys last year, but now Mike Leach is doing it at Mississippi State, and everybody's freaking out. Like, this this, this is what happens. Oh, yeah, and it makes sense why Mike Leach would do that. Yeah, he's got it, a completely different system than what was being run. And he had no offseason to try and implement it with the guys that he has or try to have more months to, like, you know what, maybe this guy isn't very ideal for this system, but I can find something for him in the meantime. Like, it's, it just, duh. It makes sense, but uh, I guess real quick on Jeremiah Cordell because I think a lot of OU fans, I mean, myself included, you know, they look at Buki, and it's the same thing every week, every month with him. We understand, you and I, we understand that he is a, with his limitations physically, he's a good football player. He's smart. He's a high football IQ he makes sure-handed tackles for the most part. There are times where he tries to lead and makes himself look foolish, but about every football player does that. Brian Esmoa did that twice against TCU. Now, having said that, he clearly kills the team more so individually on defense than any other player. I mean, you, Absolutely. Like, that, that, cannot be, that cannot be argued against. But at the same time, you can say that about Trey Brown. You can say that about Tyrese Robinson on the offensive line. But those guys are getting spelled by younger players or in Tyrese Robinson's case a Chris Murray transfer but with Buki there's just no clear-cut backup Justin Broyles is clearly not good enough he was the guy who missed the big tackle him and DTY missed that big tackle on TCU's biggest play of the game that helped set up their first touchdown and then Jeremiah Cordell is supposed to be that guy but for whatever reason he hasn't been there just yet but he appears to be close because he had a little bit more PT against TCU I mean is there anything that you saw in film or just you've heard about okay like it's make or break time for Jeremiah Cordell. One thing, right off the bat, and you'll appreciate this, he has a great head of hair. Have you seen it? Buki? No, or Cordell. Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, it is. Unbe- it is like, how do I say this? In a, in a casual way. Like, he's warming up on the field, and you go, okay, that guy looks to part. I'm not saying it's because of the hair, but it's like, okay, that's 22, that's Cordell. Look at his hair, and then just look at him. He looks different. Yeah, and maybe he's only six foot. Wait until the guys that get in here that are six two and six three, how <laughs> different they're going to look. So, I thought he was, you know, even against Texas, like 
I think he's close, but it's clear that he doesn't have the speed that they're looking for at that position. Yeah. It, and because that's what keeps Buki on the field is because he's great in coverage for the most part. It's just people only remember the Kolar stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen. Like, that's going to happen no matter who OU's playing. If they can get them in a matchup, the opponent, they're going to do it. And there's nothing really Buki can do about it other than just have great coverage. Buki, again, I mean, there just has to be an I'm like, I, I know we're trying to have a discussion about him, but there just has to be an upgrade. Like there, there and that's ha- the problem is there isn't. Yeah, there it, you can improve in that position, and Buki has been failed not by Grinch, but by this idea that he can't play corner. Like yeah, and I would love to get him on the podcast. Whether you know, I'm not saying this, I haven't heard this at all. But you know, if things continue to head this direction and Oklahoma looks to find an upgrade there this offseason whether that's Justin Harrington, whether that's Bryson Washington, whether that's anybody in Buki has to transfer. I'd love to get to talk to him about that situation. Just this his oh, whole career, his whole career at Oklahoma because he was he was put at safety and then I think just from the aspect mentally with Grinch is like okay, well, they didn't think he could play corner, but if you go look back at Woody Washington, they had him at safety. Yeah. And they moved him to corner and it's just you know, I, I think I've always wondered how much of that was just because OU entered that season with Trey Brown, Trey Norwood, like firmly at the cornerback spot, and they just simply we want to get this guy on the field, but he's not gonna he's not gonna start over these two that have had experience, that have been in the fire already, and they and that we feel very highly about. I mean, everybody felt very highly about Trey Norwood and Trey Brown from 2017 when they got thrown into the Bedlam game, and they showed some promise the following week against TCU. They just looked like, hey, they're not getting burned. Mm-hmm. Like Parnell Motley and uh, Jordan Thomas are so like obviously that that that's an upgrade, right? Yeah. I wonder if it's that or if it was just because Kerry Cooks and Mike Stoops were just like, no, like we've just they just simply missed the evaluation. You He's know, a five-star quarterback for a reason. Yep, and that's that's where I'm at. It's this, you know, you talk about for me, and you'll get what I'm saying, and I think this is for most part, even at the NFL level, like instincts at corner outweigh a lot of things whether it's size, whether it's speed, whether it's length. Like, he has really good instincts. Yeah. Buki's physical, too. Like, at the line of scrimmage, even Kolar and these guys, he is bumping them off their initial route. Mm-hmm. And that's my biggest – and I know you're in a situation this year to where you can't really work with that. But, you know, if Trey Brown's gone, well, <laughs> never mind. If, you know, Latrell McCushion's coming in, Joshua Eden's in the wings. Yeah. You know, um, it's tough. It, you know, I hope he gets a chance. Whether you know it's at Oklahoma, whether it's you know out back at USC or UCLA, whatever it may be, that he gets a chance at corner and can and, and can thrive in it. It just, I think he's in a he's in a spot where you look at the guys they're trying to get to play his position behind him, and I'm not talking about Jeremiah Cordell. You're trying. To, if you look at the guys, they just they're different. I mean, they're six one, six two, long, physical, can play in the box. Like yeah. Buki's five eight. 5'9", he plays in the box really well for his size, mm-hmm. but he just, it's just not, he can't play there naturally, you know, and it's just, it's tough to watch. It really is, because, like, he's going to go, you know, Saturday, will be he'll be okay, Miles Price is in the slot, they have a tight end that's pretty good, but, you know, you go look at the Oklahoma State, like, can you imagine him and Jelani Woods being matched up? Yeah. Like, that, it, it just, you're putting him in a spot to fail. Uh, exactly, and if he's at cornerback, opponents really can't even try to run towards him on sweeps. Like they can't identify, hey, this guy is a, a matchup, 
advantage for us. Let's just run power his direction. Because at the very least, he's just going to get out of the play so we can potentially outnumber people in the second level. Put him at cornerback. That does, that's not a part of the game plan. You don't run to Trey Brownside because you feel like, oh, he's not very good at run stopping. Like, that's just not a part of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're, you're, already, you're putting a disadvantage out there that has really, like, it's on OU. They, they knew how tall and big he was when they recruited him. And they still they still felt at the time that no we can put him at safety and his advantages outweighs his disadvantages and for the most part sometimes it does and other times it bites OU. Texas in the ass. just lost another commitment. Oh, who they lose? Twenty twenty two wide receiver, one of the best receivers in the country. How many of the top players out of Texas are they going to get? I want to say maybe one of the top twenty. That's that's insane. Oklahoma's going to land maybe six. That's insane. I'm not saying this because it's looking like it's heading in a quick direction with with Quinn Ewers. I wouldn't discount Lincoln Riley in that conversation because everything I had heard heading into his commitment that Oklahoma was in the lead. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure Lincoln Riley. That's a name that if they if they call if he calls and you're a quarterback, you're going to answer the you're going to answer the phone call no matter if you're firmly committed or just kind of flirting around with a school that you feel like you're leaning towards. I mean, I've heard some reports, uh, know some people, and, you know, I tr- we, we trust the same people, a lot of us, Keegan, uh, as to where Quinn might end up fairly soon. I don't really want to speak on that. The but Ohio State Buckeyes. Okay, you said the US Ohio State Buckeyes. But, you know, even if that's the case, if Lincoln calls, then he'll answer. Now, a lot can happen between now and his Caleb Williams is Caleb Williams headed Oklahoma. It's going to be tough. It's going to be like the Bryce Young situation. I mean, you you remember me and the you know in our in the group talking about Bryce Young and yeah. But the thing is, it's Oklahoma like nowadays in the current stage of college football, the landscape, you really don't stop recruiting them at all because even if they commit Keegan, quarterback, there's only one guy that can start at that position at a school, and it's maybe for a year or two. And if that guy goes to a certain school and he's backing somebody up but you still had, you know, you left on good terms. If they hit the transfer portal, they're going to be, you're going to be one of the first schools that they call. So, yeah, Caleb Williams is going to be here with Spencer Rattler at the same time. And then Chandler Morris has some promise about him. So there's going to be three fairly good quarterbacks on campus at the same time for all we know. That doesn't just mean that Lincoln Rise is just going to stop calling kids because you never know what happens. Maybe Caleb doesn't like what happens. Maybe he doesn't like the vibe and he wants to transfer. Then OU is going to be like, you got any more of them transfer quarterbacks out there? I hate to be this guy. Ewers is better than what? Like, Ewers is a unicorn. Like, first, he's very, he's very talented. He's going to be, like, I'm not saying he's Lawrence level because he's obviously have, has another year of high school, but if, you're, if you've seen anything from him his junior year this year, Brady, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Can he pull guys like Spencer did yep. and like Caleb is doing right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, look what's happening. Caleb Burton, one of the top receivers in the country, is now trending to Ohio State. Guess where he's from? Is he Austin? I was about to say Austin. <laughs> I tweeted this yesterday. Tom Herman is doing more things for the universe for Ohio State than he ever has he's done for the University of Texas. He's an Urban Meyer plan. I, it could be. It could be at the end of the day. Um, back back to Oklahoma a little bit. I'm, you know, and even in terms of just recruiting and defense, you know, they're in a situation right now where, like, they finish up this class. Grinch brings in 2022, obviously, and I'm not, you know, it, it this is just, theor, the, you know, the, theorizing with me here, hypothesizing with me here. There you go. Better that, word. It, it, either, either works um, quickly. 
you know, it seems like this is the kind of defense that's going to be run at Oklahoma for until Lincoln's gone. I mean, it's clear that he likes it. It's clear that it's working. There, in the 2022 class, is so important in the development of this defense right now and the, what they're putting on tape to show. Like, they are going to be in really good shape here um, pretty quickly. I mean, it's it's very apparent that, you know, once these guys get in, they're going to be good. Yeah. And I think oh, I think Grinch has earned that right already um, to really say that. And it's I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how they play this weekend. Don't get me wrong. But, like, Oklahoma State, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that game here in a couple weeks, but, you know, like – that defense has a chance to dominate in that game. And if they do, from a national perspective, like it's Oklahoma's it's or Oklahoma State's. Both of them. I mean, yeah. shit, both of them. There's the mo- going to there's going to be more NFL talent on that field on both sides than I can even I mean, go back and think like 2013 had pretty good talent Tapper, on Tapper, Striker, uh Amal Thomas has still got a cup of coffee in the NFL. Uh what Gay Bland had it for a little bit. Would Julian Wilson go to the NFL? No, I can't remember. Um, and then they moved after he played so well as a nickel that year. They moved him to corner. But Jordan Phillips, Jordan Phillips, and then OSU had uh, the guy who Chuka dropped in. Duloway was on that defense. Yeah, they. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, you know, Brady, I'm at a I'm at a point now where this you know with this Oklahoma team where I asked the question to Lincoln obviously on Tuesday. But it's clear that, you know, we're in a position now where some things have to fall their way. But if Oklahoma continues to take strides we, each week, each week, each week, I mean, sky's the limit for 2021. And that's that has to be the main focus right now from this group. And I don't know you don't want to say I'm looking to the future or this and that, but they, they're close. They are really close yeah. to putting it all together. And I, I teased the story on Tuesday crazy week with ice and everything but that's that story's going to come out tomorrow from some post-game quotes some quotes from this week it's a you know this team and this program they're in such a good position that you know covering this team for three years following Oklahoma football recruiting for almost a decade now even whenever I was younger like I can't think of a time where you know positively they've been heading in this direction yeah, I mean, every year it seems like with Lincoln Riley it gets better. Every year, um, especially defensively, we're starting to see more of a personality, more of a reputation that like towards the guys that they're recruiting, which is something that we hadn't seen. And we kind of had seen it already. It was just a negative kind of stereotype. Oh, they want undersized guys because, in theory, that you get shiftier, quicker guys, it works better in the Big 12. But then you turn into laugh out loud of the college football blue blood defense all of a sudden so um i mean it's trending in the right direction and i'm excited for 2021 2022 and all that but let's kind of let's try and curb it back down to the short term even though um you know futures are not made in one game but i think kind of what you're saying like that oklahoma is close to putting it all together recruiting like offense and defense not just receivers and quarterbacks and offensive line but i think that they're really close to putting it all together for a single game just in 2020 for the first time, I'm not counting Missouri State, um, for the first time this season. And I'm curious, like, what you've seen out of Spencer Rattler, because I guess we'll have to start there, either that or with the offensive line. Like, what is more important? Does the offensive line begat awesome Spencer Rattler play, like in terms of him making all the throws, or is it Spencer Rattler just trusting the play call 
trusting his teammates and delivering it because we all know he has the talent to do so no matter if the pocket is clean or not. This is a cop-out both. I, I mean, the offensive line has to keep playing better. You know, they yeah. got to keep improving. They can upgrade along the line somewhere. That Chris Murray guy's pretty good. Yeah. And then, and then as well, like I pointed this out, you know, all week for the most part, but this team offensively, like Spencer is starting to see things on the football field. And Brady, you've heard me say this for the last two years. Like once the quarterback and the and Lincoln are on the same wavelength, like special things happen, and we're starting to see that. Like. This is one play. It didn't work out, by the way. Did you notice Spencer made a check of the line of scrimmage last week on his own against TCU? Well, what they checked was into it? a run play, second quarter, I believe. They checked into a run play. Was it to McGowan? It got blown up. Yeah. But okay. but it's like but at the same time too, like he's in game what he was in game five. Yeah. And Lincoln was willing to give him the freedom to do that, as well as Spencer had the trust to see in the defense what he thought and made a decision. Yeah. Like, that's important. Because, like, last year, Jalen had no control of the offense. Like, he was looking over the sideline, and Lincoln was like, you know, people didn't see me point, but, like, <laughs> pointing at him and like, okay, yeah, you're running this. Or, you know, Jalen checks into a play. It typically, and I hate to continue to say stif- stuff like this, it typically never worked. And it's a good sign that Spencer is starting to see things on the football field that Lincoln is seeing because that's only going to help them you know, moving forward and, and even heading into next year and heading into the rest of the season. Like, if he can help these guys like a Marvin Mims when Jane Hazelwood gets back, whenever Trejan gets back, whenever this and that, if Trejan Bridges gets back, um, well, I guess we can discuss that here in a second. But uh, The bubble screens might work a little bit better. They may. Yeah, <laughs> they may. And so once they these guys get back and this and that, like, the fact that Spencer's growing up each and every game, like, it's an exponential growth, too. Like, I pointed out the play of the pop pass. It's such a little thing that's so important. Like, yeah. a year ago, or heck, Kyler, even to an example, like, I don't expect either him or Jalen to make that play at all. Like, those two would have panicked and tried to go run and make a play. And Spencer just said, nah, screw it. I'm just going to throw it to Theo Weiss, get a first down, move move the chains, do this, do that. So, yeah. it's uh, it's important. And I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that continue to see that growth. But again, this offensive line's got to continue to get better. I mean, there were still times in the run game on against TCU where they struggled. Pass protection, though, unbelievable. Incredible, Beatenbow. I mean, completely. Like that is a film study. These guys knowing what they're seeing. Chris Murray missed a block. I pointed it out on the uh, on Patreon, but he sucks. <laughs> it <laughs> it's a. Uh, you know, I'm, it's it's good to see this team. That's they're just continuing to take strides, and yeah, you know. it's, it's fun when you're you know you go from playoff team, playoff team, playoff team, and then you get a team like this, and you see just substantial growth from week to week. It's kind of fun. It's not fun in the short term because they lose, but yeah, it's you kind of take a step back and be, you're thankful for the playoff teams, no matter how badly they ended. But it's just like, you know, these, these teams can be fun too. And this team is, I'm starting to find the joy in watching them, even when they fuck up. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where I heard, you know, Sam may say this on the right on air a couple of weeks ago. And someone had said this to him that like Oklahoma fans are so spoiled. Like this is the first time you can really point to 
since 2015, really. I mean, they lost two games in 2016, but everybody knew that, you know, Baker was good. He was going to bounce back. Oakland fans are having to grow up with this team. Like, yep. they've, they're having to come to accept that this is how things are going to go. Like, this is the rest of the year. It's going to be, like, go down to Lubbock this weekend. Like, you don't want to see Spencer Rattler turn the football over. Like, he took that stride against TCU. Now, granted, Trevin Morig did drop a pick down there in Fort Worth on yeah. a throw to Drake Stoops. But, again, this is a, a player that is growing up each and every week. And it, it is, it's fun to see. I mean, it, you know how much, obviously, film and I love getting in. If I could just do that every day, I would. But they are doing really good things, and it's led by Spencer. Like, Spencer is leading them each week now. Yeah. And it is excited, it's exciting to see. And we'll see kind of – what the growth is like down there in Lubbock, do I expect to have a turnover or two? It's Lubbock. It can definitely happen. Kyler Murray, it happened to Kyler Murray in 2018. Different atmosphere. I said this on Tuesday. Um, but at the same time, too, it, it's important that he you know, plays a turnover-free football game. He needs to continue to put that on tape. It's only going to grow his confidence. And he's, he's got a chance. I don't, know how, I don't know how he's one of the highest-graded passers in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. Like, I don't know what they smoke over there. Yeah, I, it. I am not a huge fan of the grades this week or for the season so far. Halfway through, it's it's inconsistent. Very. Yeah. And it, it doesn't make some of them don't just don't add up. Like with what you watch, and then some of the things that you know get computed out there, it just doesn't make sense. But at the end of the day, again, I I, I just want to reiterate like this team in Oklahoma and the fans, media as well, like. We're all having to grow up with this team together. Like, this is normal. Like, this is – the last four years have not been normal. Yeah. Like, whenever you really think about it. Like, and typically when schools do go through this year, they don't have Spencer Rattler. They absolutely. don't have the offensive line. They don't have an Anton Harrison. They don't have a, a Seth McGowan. They don't, they don't have a Marvin Mims, for God's sakes. Like, there's just so much talent that we know is going to be back at the level that we've seen. It's just sometimes you got to go through this when you are just – overflowing with inexperience whereas like if baker or kyler are on this team they're probably undefeated but they just we all know like yeah they're probably not as good as we've seen but baker and kyler are so damn good that they could just win games by themselves spencer just he'll get there no i have no doubt the talent is there but he's just not there yet but it's a good challenge in lubbock just because it's on the road it's a team that historically plays ou fairly close especially in lubbock uh, but it's we've already talked about it. it's not going to be the same atmosphere with limited fans. It's night game, but it's a road game. But those are typically tough anyway. So I think I think when you just get down to it, you just need to look at each week and each game and just understand that if Spencer Rattler, he's going to have an opportunity to really showcase that he is going to be close to that level where he can win games in spite of mistakes that either he makes or his teammates make. Absolutely. And it's going to be important that this team sees that. Like, he is taking strides, and not just on the football field, but I think in terms of the in getting people to respect him in that locker room. And that's important. Like, the way he was celebrating with his teammates, you can talk about what Colin Cowherd says about Baker Mayfield or not. It matters. All those little things matter. And I'm, I'm looking forward to see, you know, the growth, like I said a second ago, as well as everybody kind of rallying around him. Because – I mean, it's real easy for Creed Humphrey to say, screw you, whatever, but they're not. Like, they're rallying behind this kid, and as they should. He's 
Bucknell has talent to be one of the top quarterbacks in the country at each each game, each and every week. And Spencer's, you know, needs to reach that level. I'm I'm looking forward to see, you know, this week down there and down there against Texas Tech. It's going to be important for him to play well. Now, they may run the football so well against this Texas Tech front that it may not matter. But uh, and I'm sure we'll get some final thoughts here on Texas Tech coming up. I just want to point this out. Uh, credit to Steven. He will listen to this, and I want to say this. Bless all. We, I believe, on the post-game podcast, I said it, so he may not have heard it. Oh, he's, saying he's, it. he's a patron now. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. He is. Yeah. So, so he's, but it he's is, stuck with pl- us. It is plaisants, Plaisant. like French, yeah. not plaisants, like an Oklahoman would say. Yeah. Great. He does such good work, man. He, yeah. I, he uh, DM'd me and said he was going to write something about the penalty stuff that I wrote. So everything that I said is just going to be made oh, much, good. much prettier because... Please don't brainwash him. I... I simply stated, like, if someone wants to, like, <laughs> say ill against the research that I found, I'm all for it. I'm all for the conversation. I want to learn, too. I did that basically because, Keegan, I was tired of blaming the same guys to you in the postgame show because I'm like, surely I'm, I'm missing something. Surely it's not that simple. And then I, I looked it up, and I was like, oh, no, it is that simple sometimes, which is why I have a problem with pro football focus because I feel like analytics has – has really taken us from a baseball and a basketball perspective. And I feel like analytics has more of a say in those sports with football. I feel like you can kind of rely on the eye test a little bit more than you do with basketball and baseball. And the eye test has told me over the last few years that Trey Brown is not as good as the pro football focus. People want to you to believe. Does he make some plays? Sure. You, he listens to this and he'll under, he'll love me for saying this. Who Trey Brown. <laughs> what up? You want to jump on the podcast? We're here at Vanessa. I'd love to talk to Trey Brown. He's awesome, by the way. I'm sure, like I'm, yeah, I'm sure he's a wonderful human being. I'm sure a lot of these guys are wonderful human beings. That we're talking about, we're talking about the footballness, not the the personality, the human, the heart, the soul. So, I'm never gonna be one to like question. Like I don't know if they've got enough dog, and I'm like I, I hate that. I hate that shit so much. You're a football player, like you got it. I love how I just saw a tweet from a guy that covers Alabama and said, all these recruits leaving Texas, you have to wonder if Tom Herman is next. And I responded with, you have to wonder. And it makes me wonder. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a – Tom Herman sucks. But, man, look, I wish they would win a few more games so he could stay another year. Like, is is that guarantee Sam Ellinger is gone if Herman's gone? Sam's not cut. Do you heard what was said after that Texas game that Sam and Tom actually don't have that good of a relationship? Well, if another coach comes in, they're going to see all the things we see with with Sam Ellinger and just think, okay, I mean, we need to go air raid. If that's the case with the next head coach, they're not going to want Sam Ellinger. He's not a raid guy. Yeah, let's 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 bring in an air raid guy for the most important season of your tenure at Texas for a quarterback that fits what you've done your whole career. <laughs> like, to, how does that equate in your head? And it's so funny because the you know you the Dave Texas High School football, or the Dave Campbell's Texas football head magazine in 2017 was this. Oh yeah, was him with the uh, drawing X's dude, and O's on a. Dude, they wanted him to be the guy so hard. Like, it, it's so silly when we see people that are just forcibly anointed to be the next thing. Like we. That's why we like a lot of people love and respect LeBron James because he was anointed as a 15, 16-year-old, and he has defied all expectation. He has been 
one of the greatest, probably the greatest basketball player of his generation. But then there have been countless others after him that have been anointed, and they just flame out. And it's so silly and sad when we see it. And with Tom Herman, it's more silly because it's a lot of it is just self-inflicted stupidity. And you know, credit Texas for that. So um, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to hear this live, but I'm about to go find the Antonio Brown whenever he found out he got released from the Raiders. Oh, okay. <laughs> I could, hey, just send me the clip. I'll I'll throw it in there. The uh, no, I was gonna say I'm about to find that video on Twitter and post it and be like, Texas, uh, Texas commits backing off their pledge to oh, play yeah. for Tom Herman. This has been a uh, Tom Herman podcast brought to you by Vanessa Beer House. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, l- let's not disrespect the opponent too much. So, Keegan, some final thoughts on Texas Tech. Good. They're heading in the right direction. I, I said this at the beginning. I don't know if maybe, maybe we weren't recording, but they have some young guys in this program that are very impressive. Miles Price, the guy that was committed to Oklahoma State, wide receiver, he's really good. Like, yeah. he is, he's a guy that would play for Oklahoma. Um, as a slot receiver, they got guys defensively um, that are young, and you know they look they they start two sophomores on the defensive line. Oh wow, everybody else is old, but I believe you know for the most part a lot of young guys play on that defense. Uh, how old is this depth chart? October it was updated on October twenty seventh. So um, no, this is a defense kind of soft. You know they they try to play a three three five like a physical one that West Virginia used to play under Tony Gibson. And it's just not it. I mean, it's not what Iowa State does. Oklahoma should be able to run the football at will. Um, I think we've broke down this game pretty good for the most part. For what we need to talk about and break down, like this is a game where Oklahoma needs to go down there and just kick the ever-loving shit out of Texas Tech. I mean, that's what they should do. I mean, this is a this Oklahoma is a 14-and-a-half point favorite. They should cover that line. They easily should um, be able to control this game from the start to the finish. Um, those are those are the things that that I mean. You expected Oklahoma to do with this offensive line, with the experience this team has from the start of the season. Obviously, it didn't happen. You know, TCU game was ugly at times. Second quarter was ugly. Fourth quarter was ugly. And, like, they need to continue to take strides. They need to continue to get better each and every week. And I'm looking forward to, you know, watching this game. Like, this is such an important game for the program. It's a, such an important game for the future of this program. And... I, I, obviously, you guys are hearing hear me say I have, I do have a little bit of concern about defensively if this is you know, uh, for Oklahoma that they may give up some big chunk plays early on and hopefully that doesn't waterfall. I don't expect it to. It didn't a week ago or it didn't last week against TCU. But overall, this is a, a game again that they need to go down there and just kick the crap out of them. I mean, yeah. that's that should that is the expectation. You're a 14 and a half point favorite. You should be able to do that. This is a you know. If you want to go down some check checklist real quick, you know, 200 yards rushing, 350 yards passing, maybe 600 yards of total offense. Like that needs to be accomplished this maybe, week. Maybe force a turnover. Force a turnover. Don't don't just have a turnover where it's thrown directly to you or the running back fumbles of his own volition. And like go out there and force one, and really set the tone that way. Don't set the tone by flexing off of a routine tackle if you're Buki Radley Hiles. Like, really set the tone defensively, and I think that will go a long way. So, yeah, I'm expecting Ramondre Stevenson to play, and if he does, that spells doom. Oh, for, for sure. I, for, you didn't get, I didn't get to tell my story. We didn't get into the oh. suspended players. Well, then let, let's end off with that then. Trajan Bridges, Ramondre Stevenson. Don't expect Trajan Bridges to play. Um, don't have any confirmation of that. Don't expect Ronnie Perkins to play. Expect Ramondre Stevenson to. 
kind of weird. You can read between the lines there. Um, the story I was going to tell was, and I'm comfortable in saying this. So last December, whenever word kind of rumored started to get out about these guys being suspended, I was able to confirm it that they were happening. I was under the influence whenever I found out these guys were suspended for the things that they were under the influence oh, for. Oh, cocaine? Yes. Okay. Peyote. We were talking about this at the beginning. So you guys are wanting to have like a, a like a, a spiritual trip or something like that. Isn't that what peyote's for? I think I've never American, done it. The Native Americans out in the desert like to do it. Like, And I just know that because I Yikes. watched the Eagles documentary. It's a great, like I hated when Netflix took it off because it was like my go-to whenever I had to do like three-hour long chores. Like it's just great music. I love the Eagles. And uh, yeah, they did a lot, of, a lot of peyote in the early days. So again, I, I know it was none of that. Obviously you can figure out what I'm saying. Like I was under the same influence that those guys got popped for. Whenever I found out that they got pot for it, and it was funny, it, it's just funny to me that the fact that we're still going through this, yeah. and Lincoln, you know, discussed some of that frustration today. I don't expect Trajan Bridges to play. Ronnie Perkins, maybe, which is kind of wild when you look at the 180 of this whole conversation. Oh my gosh! Just, for, just declare for the draft. So, like, I feel bad for you guys. Just declare for the draft. Yeah, I opt out. See, the <laughs> thing, the thing though is like Ronnie has so many things that he needs to put on tape to be able to rise and be a third round. Yeah, pick. he was not a for sure guy this year. We just assumed that with the growth like he's going to put it all together, but then he got popped and has yet to play. So, again, I the three suspended players they're coming at some point. When that is, I don't think we know. It's we'll find out Saturday, you know, truth truthfully, like Lincoln didn't comment on it today. Had an impromptu press conference. I'm not going to act like, you know, again, I, I said at the beginning, <laughs> I said at the beginning that I wasn't not invited. Salty. Not salty. No, it, but it was put together within a minute. Like, they got they got an email, and then the Zoom started. So, um, I'm sure he wanted to discuss what was going on, and it doesn't sound like he's too happy with the situation. So, we'll we'll definitely see, you know, Saturday. Ramondre Stevenson, though, probably coming back. That guy is good. Really good. I mean, he is a... NFL running back. Like o- OU is probably five and zero if he's playing. I I honestly, of all the things you know, you say Oklahoma could be five and zero if they make a couple tackles in Ames. They don't you know they have a coverage. They don't have coverage bust penalties, blocking better. Chris Murray playing from the beginning. Now you can point to all those things, but now like t- with Ramondre Stevenson playing, like he's the difference between you know Seth McGowan getting popped for a three yard run and getting hit. Uh, and then him falling forwards for like Ramondre Stevenson runs through that guy. He runs away from people too. Like TJ Pledger's had some runs where if you just put Ramondre in, in his shoes, like he pulls away for a 40, 50, 60 yard touchdown run. It's just that simple. I know he's just been, I mean, but that's, that's OU's fault because Ramondre's a part of the team and he, uh, yes, it's a stupid rule, but it's a rule nonetheless. And OU has had to pay the price for it. So that is what it is. But uh, Keegan, last thing before we get out of here, three players you're looking for. You put Lincoln Riley out there twice, and I'm like, I'm waiting for you to put an assistant coach out there. <laughs> uh, no, this week, you know, I I didn't, I forgot about this segment, so bear with me here. I'm gonna kind of work through my thoughts, but you know, I want to see Austin Stogner one. Yes, I was hoping you'd say his name. I, you know, as high as I've been on Stogner since he committed to Oklahoma, committed committed to Oklahoma, um, you know, I don't want to say he's underwhelmed because he hasn't. 
But, you know, last weekend CCU wasn't his best game, and he needs to play better. He needs to be more of a security blanket for for Spencer Rattler. And then, you know, too, like I'm not going to sit here and call him out, but Jaden Davis needs to be the – needs to be their lockdown corner. Like, he has been that whenever he's been in the game, really for much of his two years. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to – I, I want to see how he bounces back because they're going to test him. You know, it's not a it's not an air raid offense, but they're going to test him. Yeah. It's a shame with his performance against TCU because it didn't really burn OU because the guy dropped the touchdown. But he did get burned. Yep. But he started off the game with a phenomenal PBU, and that, that that's the type of play where I excuse a dropped interception because the, the receiver ran into him as he was trying to catch it. Like, he made an aggressive play. He read the play correctly, and then he bit on the football, attacked the football. It's just, unfortunately, the receiver ran into him. So those are the types of drops that I excuse. It's the ones that hit, the, hit you in the chest, and no guy is around you, and you still drop it, or where I'm like, okay, that's a captain. Why are we dropping the football there? But, yeah, Jaden Davis – average game for his standards so i would like to see a good bounce back out of him that if texas tech does throw his way maybe get a maybe get an interception this time and then really the third one that you know i can think on top of my head you know a guy that i want to see play better and it's not really a guy that we don't know how many snaps he's going to get but chris murray like, I'm not going to say he needs to play better, it's but he's a guy be, that I'm watching for this week. It's either him or Tyrese Robinson because it's like, Tyrese, if you're not going if you're going to miss blocks still at this point in your career, don't have holding penalties. Just don't get flagged. At the very least, just don't get flagged. Oh, uh, I mean, there were runs last week that if he blocks and you're pointing him out, yeah. if he blocks, they run, they pop. Yeah. And that's the problem with him is uh, he, he's the most penalized player, him and Adrian Ely tied for five on this offensive line. But he's not really made plays to counterbalance it. So, at the very least, just don't get flagged. But if, if, if that's going to continue, then please throw Chris Murray in there so we can see if he is a problem or not. But I feel like he wouldn't be. Red Dirt Sport is destroying the OU media right now. What's going on? He's going back and retweeting tweets from all the OU media talking oh, about Tom Herman. Like just don't get on his bad side. He he has receipts. Oh, he has mine. I guarantee it. Oh, I'm done for. Oh. Oh no. I'm I'm just going through it right now. I'm not going to out Classic. anybody. I'm uh, not going to out anybody cuz I've said things that aged like milk in the short term. But I, I love this place, Brady. Love Vanessa House. Don't think we've thrown the address in. You have it. I think it's like Northwest 8th something. 8th Street and Broadway, Oklahoma City. It's, uh, yeah, it's if you see Hideaway Pizza on Broadway, just turn down 8th Street. Uh, let's see. Let's get my directions west, and then it's right there. Yellow Door. Uh, it's starting to fill up right now if you can't hear all the people. Great beer, great atmosphere. Like I said, their four-year anniversary is coming up tomorrow. 3 o'clock, they got merch sales. They got four new beers that they're putting out for it. They all sound fantastic. And then, of course, give, what was it, Oklahoma, North Oklahoma Roofing? Regional Roofing and Construction. There you go. And then on Instagram, Oklahoma Backroad Explorer. Give him a follow. And you know what? If you're listening this far and you want to support a local photographer, why don't you just, like, uh, comment on some of his pictures with eye emojis or the – Inside OU sent me here. We would appreciate that. I would, at least. But, uh, Keegan, anything else before we get out of here? Score predictions. You got uh, one? I'm going to get myself in trouble because I've picked, o- I picked wrong on OU four weeks, four games in a row. 
I picked them to win both Kansas State and Iowa State, and they lost. And I picked them to lose both Texas and TCU, and they won both of those. My brain and my heart are telling me that OU should win this game. But I'm going to say I'm going to say OU 52, Texas Tech 38. I, it's a 10 point 38. Mar- it's a 10 point margin on the road since 2016. This is a worse OU team since 2016. But I feel like there's just not enough at Tech to really counterbalance what OU wants to do. I feel like it could be close, but with Ramondre Stevenson, this this smells like the 2018 game to me, where if Spencer Rattler simply doesn't turn the ball over twice to start the game and OU's in a 14-0 hole, I feel like it could be close, but Ramondre Stevenson runs away with the game. Either him or T.J. Pledger. Like, T.J. Pledger's good enough to run away with the game because we've seen him win a game uh, nearly by himself against Texas. So I'd have confidence if Ramondre, for whatever reason, isn't eligible and doesn't play, T.J. can get the job done. I have Oklahoma's putting up a lot of points. I think Texas Tech's going to score something like 52-31 sounds right. But I'm going to settle with it 52-27 Oklahoma. Keegan, thank you. Absolutely. Always fun. Love this place. Oh, yes. Finish your beer. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU Podcast. Thank you all so much for everything else. Check out the Patreon page. And, again, you all know it's going to be a 7 o'clock kickoff, so the postgame show is going to come out in the wee hours of the morning. I've got to do the postgame show with the franchise an hour and a half after the game ends. And then at some point – Later in the evening, Keegan and I will meet up and do our post-game reaction, which you can find exclusively on our Patreon page. That and a whole bunch more fun stuff, plus Keegan's film review. Give that a check at www.patreon.com forward slash inside underscore OU. We will appreciate that. But until next time, everybody, thank you for listening, and Boomer Sooner.